0: Have you ever been asked a question that hangs with you for a while? Have you ever been asked a question? (laughs) Have you ever been asked a question that makes you kind of stop and think? Or maybe a question that really seems super simple on the surface, but the more you reflect on it, it actually begins to dig deeper into you? You know, questions like, why did you do that? Or a question about, what do you believe about fill-in-the-blank? Or or maybe even a more penetrating question of, why do you believe what you believe? I, I think today we're going to look at one of these questions, and, and I hope that we will spend some time wrestling with this question. We are in the middle of the series uh, called Signs, uh, where we're looking at seven different signs that... The biographer of John uh, records of Jesus, and and he tells us, and Tanner talked about this last week, he tells us the reason that he picked these seven signs is he believed that these seven signs gave us a true picture of who Jesus was, that Jesus was more than just a good moral teacher, that Jesus was was more than just a good person, he was more than a prophet, he was more than a miracle worker. John was trying to get us to understand that Jesus is actually the Son of God, and that's why he records these things. And today we're going to look at this third sign of these seven signs that John shares with us about what Jesus has done. And, and we're in John chapter 5, verses 1 through 15. If you have your a Bible with you this morning, or you can follow along on the screen, or if you want to get your phone out and take a look at that, no trending. Here we go. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there is in Jerusalem, near the sheep gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five colored colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. Pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was the Sabbath. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, It is a Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick up and walk, pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. So picture this scene. I mean, we have an overcrowded Jerusalem. The city of Jerusalem, this was one of the festivals. The, the city would have been super crowded because all of the people would have gathered at the center around the temple to celebrate this festival. And, and, and right by the temple is this, is this pool of Bethesda. And, and, the, and the, the passage here tells us that there were crowds of people who were lame and blind And paralyzed around this pool. It could have been dozens of people. It could have been hundreds of people. They've actually dug this pool up. And it's about a football field long. So you can imagine how many people would have been around this pool. And they had this belief that when the waters of this pool were stirred, that an angel would stir these waters. And that the first person who would get into this pool would be healed of whatever condition they had. And so all of these people are sitting around this pool waiting for these waters to be stirred. And out of this huge crowd of people who are, have all of these different challenges and conditions, Jesus approaches this one man, this unnamed man with this unknown condition. And he asks him this question. Do you want to get well? I, I don't know if you guys have seen the, uh, I think it's a Hotels, Hotels.com uh, uh, commercial with Captain Obvious. <laughs> the, this feels like one of those Captain Obvious moments, right? It's like, of course, this guy's at the pool. He, he's been in this condition for 38 years. Of course he wants to get well. Something's not right with him. He's here to hopefully get healed but I think it's important for us to understand this man is stuck. let's, Let's look at this through the man's eyes. I mean, this guy has been in this condition for 38 years. Day after day, week after week, Month after month, and year after year, this is his life. And, and he's just waiting for something to happen. And, and my guess is this man has been here for a while. The scripture doesn't tell us if he's been at this pool for 38 years, but my guess is it's been a while, and here's why I think that. The man says he has no one to help him in the pool. But somehow he got to the pool, right? Someone brought him to the pool. But my guess is after a month, six months, a year, ten years, eventually his friends, his family gave up on the notion of him ever getting healed. He was alone. And this man sits at this pool... Stuck waiting to be healed. And if this really does bring healing, he's probably watched others receive this healing that he wants so bad. He watches others get into the pool and get what they want. He's stuck. And he's stuck in a place that he's waiting for something to happen that probably never will happen. And he's so stuck that when Jesus asks him this question, do you want to get well, he doesn't even answer the question. Sir, I don't have anybody to help me into the pool. And and every time I try, somebody else gets in ahead of me. That's not an answer to the question, do you want to get well? This man is stuck. But he's not the only person that's stuck in this story. You see, the religious leaders, they're stuck as well. They're stuck on their own mat. They're stuck in the rules and the regulations and the religion. They're they're so stuck, they miss the miracle. They're so focused on the fact that this guy's carrying his mat on the Sabbath, they miss the fact that he said that he's been healed, he's been made well. They're so stuck that they're missing the entire purpose of the Sabbath. The reason God established the Sabbath was for a day of rest. And they're so focused on rule breakers that they're missing the whole purpose of why God had established the Sabbath. They're stuck. And they're so stuck that they miss Jesus. This is somebody that they've been waiting for their entire lives. For hundreds and almost thousands of years, the promise of the Messiah, they miss him. He's standing within feet of him, and they miss him. They're so stuck in their rules and in their regulations. Have you ever been stuck? Maybe you're stuck right now. Most of the times when we're stuck, there's two things that are present. There are mats and there are pools. And and what's interesting is our mats actually have names or the circumstances of life that we find ourselves in. And maybe you're familiar with some of these names and maybe you're stuck in loss, maybe loss of a loved one or loss of a job or loss of a home or loss of a relationship. Some sort of loss has happened to you. And you're stuck in that. Maybe you're stuck in unforgiveness. Something, someone has done something wrong to you, and you're holding on to that. And you're stuck to the place that you just can't or you won't move on. You can't or you won't forgive. Maybe you're stuck in a destructive habit or you're stuck in an addiction And that's the mat that you find yourself on. Maybe you're stuck in an illness. Maybe you're stuck in loneliness. Maybe you're stuck in failure. Maybe you're stuck in just frustration. Why can't people do things the way I want them to do them? Maybe you're stuck in the unknown or even in the waiting. You're stuck. Maybe you're stuck in self righteousness. I, I do all of these good things. I, I'm a good person. I follow the rules. They don't, but I, I do. Maybe it's self righteousness. Or maybe you're not even stuck in negative things. Maybe you're stuck in, in good, comfortable things. I told my wife I was going to borrow a blanket today. Maybe you're stuck in success. Maybe maybe you're stuck in achievement or wealth or pleasure or adventures or or that perfect look or or comfort. Maybe you're stuck. And, And when we get stuck there in those circumstances, on our mats, we get stuck. A- and sometimes, sometimes we stack our mats. A- and sometimes we jump between our mats. And on these mats, we watch the pool and we wait for those waters to stir. You see, our pools are the things and the people and the outcomes we believe will free us from our mats. In our illness, we wait for the cure or for the healing. In our failure, we wait for the next break. In our addiction, we wait for the next hit or the next look or the next drink. In our loneliness, we wait for the next relationship to fill the void. In our unforgiveness, we wait for something bad to happen to the person who wronged us. In our frustration, we wait for things to be made right or whole or the way we think they should go. In our self-righteousness, we wait for God to take notice of our good behavior and reward us. And in our successes, we wait for the next big thing the next promotion, for the next bigger, shinier, newer, and if we stay on our mats long enough, we experience fear, we experience isolation, we experience self-pity, we experience anger, we experience bitterness. And ultimately, we experience emptiness because the pool that we're looking at could never satisfy us. And and what this does is it begins to rob us of things. It robs us of things like joy and contentment and gratitude and peace. And and if we continue to live on our mats long enough and if our focus is on our mats long enough, what ultimately happens is is it begins to capture our heart and our focus and we struggle to control the outcomes? And we begin to identify. It begins to define us. Our mat starts to define us. It becomes our identity. Why why do you think this man is unnamed? I think it's because this man's identity become invalid. And then, while we're on our mats, we begin to surround ourselves with others who have the same mat as ours. Because misery loves company, right? And it's even easier today because we have this little thing called social media where we can get groups of people who think like us and act like us and wallow on the same mats as us and seek the same pools that we seek. And we can easily find ourselves sitting and staring at waters that can never really heal us. I've been stuck. Over these last 18 months, on and off again, I've been stuck in this thing called a pandemic. And the pool I've been looking for is normal. When this thing first started, trying to scramble to figure out what to do, how to do it, how to redefine things, how to keep people connected. Every week, listening to conferences, hoping that something was going to shift and change to make things easier. Longing for something that's normal. It's draining. Discouragement, disappointment, frustration, anger. Realizing that there's no decision that's going to make everything line up, everyone win. Stuck. Because my focus was on normal. (laughs) Forgot to focus on what was most Important. And if I was completely transparent, the last four weeks I've been stuck. Diagnosis, results, waiting, anger, frustration. It's easy to get stuck. And and in the midst of being stuck, Jesus asks us this question. Do you want to get well? It it sounds so simple, doesn't it? It's a simple question. But it's so much deeper than that. Because what Jesus is asking in this moment is, it's beyond just a physical healing for this man. It's beyond just a restoration of things, the way we think that they should be. It's the ultimate restoration that Jesus is asking Do you want to get well? It's something that is a restored relationship with him. I think that's why we get the circle back at the end of the story. Jesus seeks this man out and lets him know that his relationship with God is at stake. Jesus is more concerned with where this man and his alignment with God and his relationship with him than he is with the fact that this guy had sat by a pool for 38 years, although he cared about that. I think that's why jesus seeks him out and ultimately this man walks away knowing who jesus is do you want to get well it's a hard question to wrestle with why is this such a hard question to wrestle with because on the surface of this it's easy to say of course i want to be well of course i don't want to be on my mat anymore i don't want to stack the mats i don't want to bounce from mat to mat Who doesn't want to be well? But here's what that question means. It's letting Jesus define who you are, not your mat. You have to allow Jesus to define who you are. He calls you beloved. He calls you son or daughter. He calls you chosen. Jesus is the one who defines. We take his identity on when we accept him. It's releasing control to him. If you want to get well, you release control to him. It's letting go of the hope that you've placed in the pool. And it's putting your full trust in him, your full weight in him. It's leaning completely on him, regardless of where that goes, regardless of outcomes. It's looking to him and him alone and not... The pool. And you know, the truth of the matter is, sometimes I don't even think we realize that we're stuck. So, so this is what my walk away for us today, and I want to get real practical with this today. I, I really want you to wrestle with this question that Jesus asks. Not just this man, but I think he asks us, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Do you want to get off of your mat? And here, there are five questions I think that, that really will help kind of uncover this in you. The first question is this, what would this look like for you? What would this look like for you, specifically, where are you at in your relationship with Jesus? Maybe you're just exploring faith and, and you, Jesus is new, this whole notion of Jesus is new to you. And maybe that's where you're starting from. Maybe you've been at this for a while and and you know all of the answers, but you've forgotten about who Jesus is. Maybe that's your starting place or maybe your relationship with him is awesome. And it's just continuing to keep your eyes and your trust and everything focused on him. But the first thing is, what would this look like for you? Where are you at? Your relationship. The second question is this. Wh- what do you need to say yes to? And, and really this question is, what's your next step? Again, if you're brand new to this, maybe it's, it's meeting with somebody, talking with somebody if, if about understanding more about who Jesus is and what he has done for us and the hope that we have and the reason that we can put our trust in him, our full trust in him. Maybe your next step with him is just spending time with him. You forgot that in the process of being on the mat, that your focus now is on the pool. Which leads to the next question, what do you need to let go of? What what do you need to let go of? What what is your pool? What are you putting your hope in besides Jesus? Is it some sort of political future some sort of cure for something is it what is it that you're putting your hope in besides jesus so what do you need to let go of and put your full weight and trust in him the fourth question is this how have you been defining yourself and this one kind of gets flushed out by asking this. What, what is most important to you? What, what is a priority to you? What do you spend most of your time thinking about? What do you spend most of your time watching or listening to? What, what's become your priority? Because that's probably what's starting to define you. What do you spend your resources on? What do you spend your time on? What do you spend your energy on? How do you hope that other people see you? And ultimately, how do you see yourself? Because those questions begin to answer that question of how have you been defining yourself? And the last question is probably the most important question. And it's this. Is Jesus enough? If everything else was stripped away, is Jesus enough for you? Oh, and one last thing. I think there are other reasons why Jesus told this guy to pick up the mat. I think he wanted to pick something with the uh, religious leaders, honestly. But I think there's also something significant about the fact that this guy picked up his mat I think it's significant because sometimes whatever your circumstances are it doesn't just go away just because you start following jesus or because you fix your eyes on jesus sometimes your mat stays with you but the difference is that jesus is with you as you walk with him and you follow him let's pray father thank you for jesus Thank you that you rescue us from our mats. Thank you that you rescue, rescue us from the pool. Thank you that you bring healing to us, the restoration with our relationship with God. And Father, I pray that you would help us take those next steps to keep our eyes focused on you. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.